This is Cast Club Radio. Brought to you by Heritage Distilling. On Cast Club Radio, we believe every spirit has a story. And stories like good drinks are always better when shared with friends. Each week, we'll explore the intersection of cocktails, spirits, beer, wine, and life. It's Cast Club Radio. Here's your hosts, Lydia Cruz and Justin Stiefel. Good afternoon, friends. Welcome to another episode of Cast Club Radio. Thanks so much for hanging out with us today. My name is Lydia Cruz. And I'm Justin Stiefel. And I'm Maura Dooley. How's everybody's weekend going so far? Justin, I know you are just the world traveler as of late. Yeah, well, it is now the end of March, and I already have uh, surpassed my MVP status (laughs) at Alaska Airlines with all the miles I've flown already, so... Um, I I will probably be get to that vaunted MVP Gold seventy five here Perfect. Uh, pretty wow. quick. Yeah, just got back from Las Vegas. Uh, we attended the bar show, the national bar show at the Las Vegas Convention Center. We had a booth there, big booth, and uh, five thousand attendees. Wow. And uh, these are folks that operate restaurants, bars, from small uh, independent locations to the biggest global chains you could imagine, like Buffalo Wild Wings or Red Robin or or others like that. The show was opened up on Tuesday by uh, John Taffer from Bar Rescue. If you remember seeing that show on. And uh, he gave a great keynote speech. And it was interesting walking around the convention center, seeing some of the innovation and what the new focus is uh, that people are trying to raise awareness on for products, services, and uh, trends. And we still see that Tiki trends uh, are going to continue, it looks like, this year uh, with the Tiki theme. So exciting stuff. We were happy to be there. And the reaction to the BSB was phenomenal. And uh, BSB is just growing like crazy nationwide now. You guys were part of this last year? We were part last year with uh, the folks at Dimitri's. Oh, uh, they okay. They make the Bloody Mary mix, one of the best Bloody Mary mixes in the U.S. And so we had a joint booth with them. Perfect, and this year, because yeah. of BSB's uh, growing cr- prominence, we, uh, we had our own. And also, last week, I got back from the American Distilling Institute's annual convention where we won 65 medals. Oh, my gosh. How do you even bring those home? They have to just ship them to you in several different shipments? or Sorry, I I just need to bring 65 uh, medals home. (laughs) Yeah, I I, I put it in the luggage, and then uh, I had to go through security twice because they were wondering what all the metal was about. (laughs) That's amazing. Wow. You're the Michael Phelps of distilling. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) We are, yeah. (laughs) So it was great. And so what it means is uh, that's the sixth year in a row, we've won more awards than any distillery in North America. And it's a testament to the quality of uh, what our team is doing. And uh, it was great. We had three of our production guys fly down there and attend the week-long classes and seminars. And for them to go up on stage and get the medals, it was it was cool to watch them do that. I let them go grab the medals because, you know, they're responsible for a lot of that production now. That's pretty darn cool. It's cool to see how much you guys have grown just even in the short time we've been doing this show. So that's awesome. In the meantime, what else yeah. is going on in the headlines? Well, it's always interesting to uh, watch trends in data and consumption of uh, adult beverages. And, you know, a couple weeks ago was St. Patrick's Day. And uh, here is data now coming into us from the drinks business. And Chicago, again, topped the cities in the U.S. that get into the St. Patrick's Day spirit. 
Sales of beer were up more than 200% over the average weekend for Chicago. Bristol and southwest of England topped the cities in the U.K., it's no surprise that between, in March, we talked about this in the last show, between St. Patrick's Day and March Madness, it's the busiest month for beer volume in the U.S. for wholesalers and retailers. And this is just one more data point uh, to be up 200 plus percent over uh, the average weekend for beer sales in one city just shows you how Americans get behind their uh, celebrations <laughs> when it comes to some of these things. I have Absolutely. to say, I'm not surprised to see that the city that Chicago. literally dyes the river exactly. green for St. Patrick's Day is up there on they the list into of it. biggest drinkers yeah. <laughs> Totally for that totally, day. Totally. That's right. Next up, you know, we like to talk about the ridiculous amounts of money people spend on uh, rare vintages and auctions for uh, wine and spirits. Glenlivet, which is one of the the most well-known scotch brands in the world, they have unveiled their third ever expression of its highly exclusive limited edition 50-year-old Winchester collection. The 1967 vintage bottle comes with a case designed by uh, a designer named Bethan Gray out of uh, Wales. This bottle is going to go for twenty-five thousand U.S. dollars for one bottle of fifty-year-old Glenlivet Winchester Collection Scotch. Well, people do love their scotch. I, I'm. We say this now, how we always get shocked at these prices, but there's always someone willing out there to pay. It seems. That's right, and. Unlike an auction where they might have one bottle or a, a very small lot where it's going to go for eight hundred thousand or a million dollars, we've seen those outrageous auction prices this year. This is a batch, and so they've got a few bottles, not just one, and that's why uh, it's only only twenty five thousand oh dollars as opposed yeah. to being you know just a million dollars. It's a steal, you guys. <laughs> I just want to know what occasion you you bust out the twenty five. You better hope you really like all the people that you're sharing it with and they stick (laughs) around. Well, you know, that's like uh, tuition at an average university now. So you can either buy a bottle of 50-year-old scotch whiskey or maybe send your kid to college for a year. Buy a car, you know. (laughs) Buy a car? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Lastly, we talked about this probably six months ago now. Europe's first underwater restaurant is now open. Uh, it's up in the coastline in the southern part of Norway. It's officially opening in April. When we talked about it six months ago, it was still in the planning stages. But over 7,000 people have already booked online to eat at the restaurant, which has only 40 seats. Uh, it's called Under, which means wonder in Norwegian. And it actually is a concrete structure that goes down uh, into the ocean, and you descend down, and you uh, have glass walls in front of you, uh, acrylic actually, and you are eating underwater. A full 18-course menu costs $260 U.S. Uh, You can add a wine pairing on top of that for another $168 U.S. (laughs) And again, uh, 7,000 people have already registered uh, with reservations online and only 40 seats in this restaurant. Which do you think you would enjoy more? Because we haven't heard too much about the food side of it, but do you think you would enjoy the ambiance and the visuals, or do you think that they've got like a killer food menu? 
the visuals would be stunning if there was a lot of sea life there. So I'm not sure, based on that part of uh, the world, how much sea life you're going to see and what the color uh, looks like. Mm-hmm. And especially at night. If you're down there at night, uh, that'd be a spooky. Wow. <laughs> yeah, kind of, yeah. They could, it would add definitely a, a, almost like a horror film vibe i think you could have you could have some theme nights maybe <laughs> <laughs> yeah it from the pictures i've seen online it looks like a cavern and the only light coming into the space is what's coming in through the acrylic window yeah. uh, that's underwater it looks a little murky mm-hmm. not gonna lie it does yeah. yeah it does the water looks a little murky coming up on cast club radio to decant or not to decant it's not quite the shakespeare line but it's an important question we'll discuss next on cast club radio Welcome back to Cast Club Radio. Thanks so much for joining us. Now, to decant or not to decant? That is the question, at least for us today on Cast Club Radio. Three different scenarios were laid out by Forbes in a great article that lets you go through the process on what criteria you should consider decanting your wines. That's right. The three scenarios were as follows. First, a stunning, bold red wine has been trapped in a bottle for 10 years The weight has been torture, and the time has come to drink this wine. The second scenario was a youthfully exuberant red wine paired perfectly with dinner. And the third was an occasion calling for an elegant white wine aged in oak with five years in the bottle. The question now is, should these wines be decanted? And as Forbes talks uh, through this, they uh, interviewed a few sommeliers, and they gave their preference on this. But first, you know, we should talk about, well, what is the purpose of decanting? Uh, Decanting is the process of pouring wine from a bottle into another vessel. Usually, uh, it's a larger glass, uh, elegant-looking device where you see all the wine. And uh, these decanters come in different shapes and sizes, and often they are a statement uh, in and of themselves of beauty when you present them to your guests. The purpose is to oxygenate the wine. Uh, Oxygen molecules from the air interact with the wine, allows it to open up faster, maybe reach an optimal taste. But there are no real firm guidelines on when to decant, uh, when not to decant, and so on. So Forbes went and interviewed some of these sommeliers, and we should jump into what they've talked about based on the wines. So first off, Pinot Noir. Whether or not to decant Pinot Noir can be controversial. Some sommeliers believe strongly you should never decant it. But Jennifer Wagner, sommelier and wine director at the two restaurants called Proxy and the other one, uh, Sepia, in Chicago, she says uh, that there are times for Pinot Noir where in the life cycle of how old that is, you can decant it uh, because you're looking to pull out specific notes in that Pinot Noir. Now, I myself, I'm not an expert in Pinot Noir because that's not one of my uh, more favorite varietals. Either either of you two enjoy a good Pinot Noir? I do. I, I like it because I think sometimes it, because it, it is maybe not quite as full-bodied as like Cabernet or a Syrah. You can pair it with more things. Mm-hmm. How about you, Lydia? Do you like a good Pinot Noir? I like a good glass of wine, whoever is handing it to me, so I try not to be picky. <laughs> mm. And uh, would I go out and often buy it for myself? Not often, but I've definitely had it at parties before and, and enjoyed it. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And uh, do either of you two decant at your house? 
Never at my house, no. I've, I've had it done at restaurants before. Yeah, same I'm, here. I'm not that fancy at home. Me either. <laughs> I wish I was, but no. Well, my wife and I, we do decant wine at our house, um, but uh, we've never had occasion to decant a Pinot Noir. Um, so <clears throat> I find the comments here from Wagner to be interesting on this. The other example here is a white wine. Um, many wine experts don't even think about decanting white wines or sparkling wines, but the sommelier community takes a different approach. Uh, they stress that the importance of temperature comes into play with wine enjoyment, and especially there are some white wines where when you first open the bottle, there are some very strong notes that don't last very long. Uh, some of these notes are like petrol, almost like a gasoline uh, note that you can uh, pick up uh, either in your nose or when you take a, a drink. And so what they advise is even splash decanting, where you rapidly decant the white wine to warm it up even slightly, that warming effect helps to release those aromas out, get it out of the liquid, get it up into the atmosphere, and then you can put it uh, back on ice to keep that white wine chilled. Um, uh, I've never seen anybody decant a champagne or uh, a brut or any kind of sparkling burgundy or um, even like an Italian uh, Prosecco. I've never seen anybody decant anything like that. Have you? No, I've never even seen a white wine decanted, at least at the, the restaurants that I've worked at or been to, but that's interesting. So good to know. They can benefit benefit from it at certain times. That's right. That's right. Now, a couple things before we end this segment. There is a very good reason to decant. And uh, if you go to restaurants where certain older vintage wines, especially red wines, they will accumulate sediment in the bottle over time, and it, it collects at the bottom. And so even if you're uh, not desiring to decant the wine for purposes of opening up the flavor, uh, the sommelier will decant the wine to collect the sediment so it doesn't get into uh, your wine glass ultimately. And uh, I've been to several restaurants where they offer that service. In fact, there's a great restaurant in Maui down in uh, Walea, uh, at the Grand Walea, and it's called Nick's Fish House. And uh, they have this very cool device where the, they put the bottle in and they turn a crank and the bottle lowers itself down over a candle uh, so that they can use the candle to see into the the wine bottle itself. And Whoa. then they slowly turn the crank, uh, which turns the bottle while it's being tipped so that all the sediment uh, using some uh, centrifugal force collects and swirls. And then by the time it's done, all the wine has left the bottle into the glass decanter and not a single ounce of sediment has dropped in. And the whole thing is a presentation in and of itself. And I even asked the guy, hey, uh, where do you get those? And he said, well, one of our guys made this about 20 years ago. We've never seen another one like it. So, But that's putting decanting on show for your customers. Yeah. Wow, that's really cool. I was uh, saying yeah. before we started that I worked at a restaurant when I first moved here that had a really good wine list. Even our, our house wines, the house red was a Cote de Rhone that was really nice. But, yeah, it tended to have, if you got the last last glass out of the bottle, tended to have the effect where you would get a mouthful of sediment. And if people have never had that before, some of them would think that something was wrong with the wine. Mm -hmm. And it's not, but it's also not something that's very appetizing. So I think decanting is definitely a good move for a wine like that. So that's, that's, one, right. that's one of the factors that Forbes mentions here. They also mem mention just plain preference. Maybe you have a preference uh, one way or the other. And then also aeration. Um, 
I do love this quote that one of the sommeliers uses that they believe that time is the foremost factor in determining whether or not to decant. And think of the decanter as a tool, a time machine that will fast forward the wine into the future to enjoy what the bottle has to offer. I like that. Have either of you tried a wine, a taste of wine before it was decanted and then after it's had that time to kind of aerate? No. Yes. Well, when we have guests coming over for uh, dinner or party, uh, we will actually pull out a decanter or two. We will open the wine probably a half hour before guests first are going to arrive, and we will pour that into the decanter and uh, let it sit for a half hour or an hour. Uh, and, you know, my wife Jennifer, uh, she likes good quality wine, so she always will take a little sip before and after. And, good, yeah. Um, T- taste testing. Uh, you can tell quite a difference. Absolutely. I think Why it would not? be, they mention it in this article as well, but the pure enjoyment factor of watching that taste evolve, of watching the wine evolve, especially if you are, if it's a social gathering, you're hanging out with your friends or you're having great dinner, it would be enjoyable to sort of have the wine at the beginning and over time, see how it evolves, see how the taste evolves until the end of your meal, until you finish it. Especially if, if a guest has brought a very nice bottle of wine to your party or dinner, um, and if you're going to open it at the party or dinner, if it's a, the kind of style, especially a, a beautiful, deep, rich red, uh, I think it demonstrates a lot of respect for the guests by saying, hey, this is a great bottle of wine. Let's really enjoy it. We're going to decant it right now. Let's let it sit 20 minutes, and then let's, let's share this glass together and see what we think. And as you mentioned earlier, a lot of the decanters are actually quite pretty and elegant. So if you're having guests over, that's another bonus. Yeah, aesthetics. Why not? (laughs) We're all about the aesthetics here. (laughs) Up next on Cast Club Radio. Yes, sure, we are in the midst of March Madness, but it's also opening weekend in baseball. Big things going on at T-Mobile Park. Exciting things. So we're going to talk to Steve Dominguez, the GM for Center Plate at T-Mobile Park, one of the great creative minds behind all of the game day offerings that you experience throughout the season at T-Mobile Park. It's next on Castle Radio. to Cast Club Radio. We're in full swing of baseball season now, which has me happier than uh, you could possibly know. But right now we're joined by Steve Dominguez, GM of Center Plate, one of the great minds, creative minds about making the game day experience happen at T-Bobble Park. How are you, Steve? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. A lot is going on this week, I'm sure, for you. A lot of months worth of preparation now uh, fully in action. How are things going? Things are going great. Still a great day for baseball. You know, excited about, you know, a habit I'm trying to get into is T-Mobile Park, you know. Yeah, exactly. I've been here nine years, and uh, every day I struggle with that one. <laughs> Just to make sure. So, Over no, it's time. going great. You know, uh, with, with, the, with the name change coming in, you know, uh, brought a lot of magenta into our world, <laughs> which has been awesome. You know, from, oh, signature cocktails to, you know, even batch cocktails. We're doing pink lemonade. I, I think I even have uh, a magenta uh, kettle corn coming for opening day. Wow. You know, uh, <laughs> I did try to work getting us magenta hot dog buns, but, uh, but the bakery wouldn't do it for me. Oh. So, uh, but that yeah, might be so for the best. A, a big, <laughs> yeah. yeah a, big, a, a, a big injection of pink or a magenta. It's been awesome. 
Wow. All right. Sounds good. So we can plan on more magenta out there at T-Mobile Park this year. I'll start to keep reminding myself about that as well. You guys also have some great regular additions, as you always do to the menu. Always kind of tweaking things, always looking at uh, listening to customer feedback, I'm sure, and wanting to also provide a lot of local places and uh, local features in the ballpark. So what's new this year? Absolutely. You know, we're we're always trying to keep it fresh, you know. you know, we got some, we've had some great partners over the over the past, and you know, what we want to do is one keep it keep it keep it fresh for the guests. As you know, I so said, we have you know a great strong uh, you know fan base here in Seattle that to me are always expecting that. So, there's a couple of different partners that we have lined up in the pen. Uh, we brought in uh, Little Woody's. They're they're replacing our, our former uh, Great State Burger. Thought that you know their ownership group with Marcus uh, has done a phenomenal job with growing their brand within the area. And then just you know, like I said it's always looking to have that that good fan presence. You know, they're, they're big baseball fans. So, you know, uh, we have uh, the '95 slide, which basically is uh, French fries and a soft serve that you could you're supposed to dip it in. You know, great little Woody's burgers. So, you know, they, they've been great. And then same thing, too. You know, we felt we need to get a little bit more representation on the Central District. So we brought in uh, Fat's Chicken and Waffle. Uh, you know, they've been, uh, you know, so we going down and, and checking out their food and just seeing the environment that they have there has been awesome. And then being able to bring that into the ballpark is something we've been trying to do. Um, and we finally got a, a good a good opening for them and felt that it was, it was a good time. But, you know, uh, just, just, a great, just a great reflective of the community there. You know, um, also, too, we're bringing in Paseos. Um, mm. You know, Ryan and his group have done a great job with, you know, re, re, regrowing that brand and getting the name back to where it needed to be. And, you know, they're right they're our neighbor right next door. So after talking with him uh, last off season, or actually, we still started walking during the, during the in the last year um, and just trying to find a spot where, you know, so they got great Cossack sandwiches that, you know, we know the community out here like, especially with the corner of the cops. Um, and then kind of kind of moving uh, up and out of the pen. Oh, I'm sorry, you know what, we'll go back to you. So then that's just on the food programming, the pen. Nice. And then if you look at our beverage programming, obviously bringing in, they call it the Magenta Mojo, which was a cocktail developed by uh, developed for us by a new apti with Rob Roy and, you know, I think it's Navy Strength and, you know, a couple of the Bar, bar Bazaar, you know. Um, so she's a great local mix, mixologist that has done uh, good work for a great work for us over the, over the years. Um, in addition to, uh, we have a new uh, partner in in the pan at the Cot Looking Lounge. I'm excited about that. Heritage Distillery yeah. uh, is taking over that bar, and you know, they're also taking over our uh, our batch cocktails on the concourse. You know, they they're 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 the product that's behind our 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 our, our pink our pink lemonade on uh, on the concourse. So great to work with Justin and their and their group, and you know, those guys and Kevin are all all, all great guys. So. Excited about having them having them down the pen and, and know that they're going to do some great stuff. And then as we move up uh, onto the field level, I don't know if any, if you guys are familiar with uh, the Knee House tribute yeah, uh, right there at uh, you know uh, right center. You know there was it was something that was calling. If you read, they have a rail where he has the grand slum, the grand slum. You know you know break out the rye bread and the mustard. So we're like, and we have a sandwich station right next to it. Like why haven't we done this? Yeah. So that's a new one that we're excited about is the grand salumi. Uh, coming out of the salt in the sandwich, something that uh, <laughs> we should have done it a couple years ago. Yeah, but you know, sometimes sometimes you oversee that obvious. Like, well, is, 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 the writing was on the fence, literally. So <laughs> uh, that's how we, that's how we figured. You know, it's a it's a good opportunity to to break that out, and you know, and again, we're featuring on that one uh, salumi uh, salumi salami. So oh. another good local uh, local brand that's out there in, in you know the Pioneer Square area. 
Oh my gosh, I don't even know where to start when we go down there, Lydia. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> do you do you get to work sample as part of a research all of these amazing things? Uh, yeah, you know, unfortunately for my waistline and yeah. my cholesterol level, I absolutely do. So it's wonderful. Yeah. You know, I, I can't complain every time, you know, we, we go out there like, you know, with, we, you know, you hit some of the great spots in, in Seattle and then, you know, same thing. And then you get to go out and sample the drinks. I mean, we, we, we I think it was a four, a four course sampling on a, uh, when we finally, when we finally remembered what the magenta mojo was going to be, you know, so it was, it's been awesome. Just got to uh, do a few point. laps around the ballpark and maybe walk a few stairs. <laughs> you just walk those calories right <laughs> off. No problem. I, I believe they are having a Spartan race here at the end of August. So oh, yeah, wow. yeah that's, that's our goal. That's so. Perfect. So you mentioned bringing the central district in, is that a conscious effort or conscious thought on your part to even include different neighborhoods in Seattle? Yeah. You know, we, we look at that I and mean, we, we, we've, you know, again, because I think Seattle as a whole, it's got the recognition. But for those of us that live here, everybody has its little pockets. You know, you have, you know, you got Lower Queen Anne, Upper Queen Anne, West Seattle, North Admiral, you know, all the different all the different areas that, you know, have their own uniqueness. And we also want to make sure that we're representing everywhere. Uh, you know, and again, we, you know, I think a couple of years ago, I brought in a Chinese provider or Chinese restaurant uh, from up from uh, Lower Queen Anne. We're trying to make sure that we include everybody. You know, and at the same time, too, you know, I think, you know, everybody here just wanted to get that opportunity to say, hey, listen, show, show our stuff. And again, is the growth in the neighborhoods. And, you know, I think our, our souvenir cup has a map of Seattle on it. So, you know, nice. people could pick out their neighborhood. Hey, that's where I live. So, you know, just, just trying to keep that focus there. So obviously something for every Seattleite. Do you feel like oh. someone who's a visitor or coming to T-Mobile Park for the first time also gets a good feel for what Seattle is when they come to the park? Oh yeah, I mean you know that, and that's the thing too because you, you 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 on a weekend trip or an overnight you might not be able to hit all the different you know again small micro neighborhoods that you know have great stuff in them. So we try to bring that out and you know and again too now now they, if they hit the fat chicken waffles maybe they'll go to the restaurant on that Sunday brunch yeah. or you know they see a little Woody's down and try it. So we're, we're trying to be we can't hit everybody, um, but we're, we're trying to include as many people as we can. And absolutely, give 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 the guests at Safeco uh, a good a good snapshot of, of what the what the culinary offerings and the drink offerings in in the local neighborhoods are. Yeah, well, baseball is known as such a traditional sport, and traditionally it is kind of beer and baseball. I'm glad to see the the cocktail program kind of expanding to having heritage part of the program, and as you said, having Rob Roy come up with some of the drinks. Do you have yep. a, a favorite beverage of the new ones? <laughs> Well, I do like so we we we, we uh, well, obviously Edgar is a big part of, of of the Mariners Mariner history and he has his own mescal. Uh, yeah. So we developed a drink for him down in, in Edgar's Cantina. We call it, we're calling it the Buzz Margarita. And essentially, what we did is we you know we, that's where we sell the grasshopper. So we're like, okay, how do we how do we stretch this out for one more season? Yeah. Uh, anyways, we used we used uh, basically simple syrup, uh, fresh lime juice, and Edgar's uh, Blanco mescal. Uh, and it's garnished, and it's basically a traditional margarita. I think we top it with ginger ale. But what we do is we, we used a buzz button flower, which it's it's the, it's the flower on the Szechuan pepper. It's like a little mini uh, dandelion, but mm-hmm. when you eat it, it kind of accentuates the flavor of what you're drinking. So we're you know oh. we were I was in Las Vegas for the winter meetings for baseball at the, the Champagne Bar at Cosmo, and they had they're like, hey, you gotta try this drink. You know, it really changes. They said it numbs your face, but it really to me, accentuates what you're eating. So I'm like, all right, let's try wow. it. So that's, one, that's one of the drinks we're excited about, you know, featuring down at Edgar's Cantina. You know, in, in addition to, you know, we have some, you know, some good batch cocktails that, you know, fortunately 
you know, the, the, the you know, the control liquor board has, has, has given us, um, you know, some dispensation to, you know, expand our operation with, with regards to batch cocktail. So we do have those offered uh, at different portable locations throughout, throughout the main concourse and on the upper deck that you could, you know, again, uh, uh, strawberry, strawberry lemonade is what, is what were, those was our play on, on, on how to inject more magenta into the, into the facility. So we're excited like about that and you know, excited about the, obviously our beer programming and, you know, all the different offerings that we have. So, well, I love it, and I'm sure. Hopefully, we get to talk to you in another year. And since we talked to you last year, just to to hear all the different changes, it's it's pretty remarkable to see uh, how you're constantly evolving and adapting to not only Seattle because it continues to grow and change, but just incorporating all these uh, new ideas and being on the forefront of stuff. It's pretty awesome. Yeah, no, we I, I appreciate that. Again, yeah, we're just we're, we're always trying. You know, we, we know that uh, we have a. Uh, a fickle audience that we're always that we want to make sure we we keep happy. So it's pretty uh, cool. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Steve. We really appreciate you taking time. I know you got a busy schedule. It is opening week, and there's a lot going on at the ballpark. And thank you. Is there a singer warming oh, no up behind problem. you? By yeah. The way? Uh, you know what? It's uh, 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 the anthem's playing right now. That they're about to. Throw oh, perfect! Off. All right. Okay. Yeah. We're getting a little preview. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> thank you so much, Steve. There you go. You got it. Coming up, not only is it MLB opening weekend, but there are plenty of NCAA tournament games going on as well. We have a March Madness cocktail for you. And we discuss the results of a study that show what people buy when they go drunk shopping. Stay tuned. It's next on Cast Club Radio. to Cast Club Radio. Thanks so much to our friend Steve Dominguez for joining us earlier in the show. In just a few minutes, we've got a brand new cocktail recipe for you as well in honor of March Madness. You don't want to miss that. But first, this might be something that everyone here is guilty of uh, at a certain time in their lives. Drunk spending. Or at least, <laughs> uh, how about buzzed spending? Americans apparently spent almost $40 billion, yes, billion dollars on drunk shopping last year. Wow. Yeah, so think about um, the busiest shopping weekend of the year now. Uh, it used to be that it was uh, uh, Black Friday, the day after Thanksgiving, and now all these online retailers have brought their sales forward, so you get Black Friday deals on Thursday of Thanksgiving Day. And with the amount of people buying stuff online on that day, and maybe enjoying an adult beverage or two while they prepare dinner or at dinner. I can see where a lot of people that day are uh, not 100% in control of their faculties. <laughs> um, but this article came to us from msn.com. And uh, in February, two firms got together, finder.com and peer profile. They did a survey of 2,100 adults. And they asked them a series of questions. Um, have you ever purchased anything after consuming alcohol? And here's what the data uh, came back as. 52% of respondents said they spent money on food after consuming alcohol while being drunk. Uh, and that includes takeout and snack food. That makes sense. Have you... Yeah, it, I've definitely. I, assume you, I was when I read the headline to this, I was like, I don't drunk shop, but oh yeah, I definitely, definitely feel the need to maybe splurge on some food, maybe have some late night drinking. pizza. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, there you go. Maybe make a run to uh, Taco Bell, something like that. Well, it's not just the late night slice of pizza or an order of fries. People bought shoes and clothing. 43% of people bought shoes and clothing while intoxicated. And 30% bought cigarettes while intoxicated. That makes sense when you think about maybe people leaving the bar and going to get a a pack of cigarettes. I can believe that because uh, at a time... I, I was working at a restaurant for a brief time before smoking was banned at bars in Colorado, and we sold cigarettes. And I cannot tell mm. you how many people, I think, come in, and maybe they're not avid smokers, but once they have a few drinks, mm. mm-hmm. they want them. And, yeah, just how many people were willing to pay. We charged, a, I can't remember what it was, but we charged yeah, a, a markup. Definitely a markup yeah. from the store to buy them, too. It was like $10 a pack or something, and people were like, wow. sure, that sounds great. I saw a sign in yeah. Seattle, an advertising street sign the other day that said, now selling cigarettes at a bar. And I thought that seems kind of like an antiquated, now you're selling cigarettes. Like, yeah. shouldn't that have been, yeah. uh, you'd think it'd be the opposite way around, but maybe it's just that heavy markup that is just too good to turn down for some bars. Yeah. Well, something I don't see here on this article is uh, lottery tickets or pull tabs. If you think about some of the taverns in Washington uh, and also up in Alaska, they've got pull tabs. You sit there at the bar, order True. a drink, give the bartender twenty, fifty, hundred bucks, and you just sit there and you you know you buy pull tabs. I didn't see that here, but the article does talk about some of the more interesting purchases, the most outrageous categories. Number one, ten percent of people said they bought. A car while drunk. Oh my god, that is shocking. <laughs> yes, That's shocking. It is. Yeah, I I, because... I know you can buy some on eBay nowadays. You can do like classic cars on eBay. You can even buy used cars on eBay. But yeah, if you're going to the lot and buying one, that seems pretty crazy. You think they test drove it? No, uh, that would <laughs> I'm be guessing that they would not let shocking. them do that. Yeah, fourteen uh, percent uh, caught wanderlust and booked uh, an entire vacation. I can see that happening. Yeah. I wish I could do that. I guess yeah. I'm still somewhat responsible when yeah. I'm drunk, but I, yeah. Yeah, I would love to. <laughs> yeah. um, once a man reportedly bought a pig, a peacock, and a giant salamander while drunk <laughs> shopping online. Wow. What would you even do uh, with those things? It's quite an eclectic yeah. mix, too. Starting Different habitats. Thing. Yeah, that's right. And here, probably the most outrageous purchase I've seen, uh, according to MSN.com, a couple who got wasted purchased the hotel in which they were honeymooning in Sri Lanka. I heard about that one. Wow. I mean, that's yeah. quite the newlywed gift to give to give each other, I guess. Wow, yeah. <laughs> Interesting stuff from our friends at MSN.com and... I just, I'm not going to buy a car while drunk. Yeah, that's a good idea. Seems like a large purchase. (laughs) And maybe, yeah, if you know this is you, just avoid Amazon Prime or whatever your choice of shopping service is late at night. Didn't they have an app that made it so that you can't drunk text people? Right. Now they need an app that like shuts down your phone so you can't shop. Friends don't let friends drink and shop. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But I do have a hotel in Sri Lanka for you to visit if uh, you're interested. (laughs) Yes. Well, instead of drunk shopping this weekend, you can be watching a lot of great basketball. We are in the throes of March Madness right now in the Sweet 16. And in honor of that, you guys have got a cocktail recipe themed after March Madness. We do. We call it Madness in a Shaker. Uh, This requires our Heritage Distilling Blood Orange Vodka, some of our uh, vanilla from our friends at Raft, Raft Vanilla Simple Syrup, some pineapple juice, 
and lemon juice from a fresh lemon. So in a shaker, add ice, put in two ounces of the blood orange vodka, a half ounce of the raft vanilla, uh, one ounce of pineapple juice, and a half ounce of lemon juice. Shake them in the shaker and strain it out into uh, any kind of glass that you like. Garnish it with a uh, preserved dried cherry or a maraschino cherry. And uh, this cocktail looks beautiful and has a great taste. Uh, the pineapple and lemon juice really help to offset the uh, sweetness of the blood orange vodka. Sounds just really pretty, too. It is. Well, as always, you can get this cocktail recipe and past cocktail recipes. We've got one for you every single week online at Heritage Distilling. Dot com, where you can also download episodes of the podcast. That's right. And you can email us questions, comments, send us pictures, recipe ideas, uh, all of the above at caskclubradio at heritagedistilling.com. You can find us on Instagram and Facebook at caskclubradio. Please also don't forget to rate us on iTunes. Uh, we've got lots of episodes on the webpage for past podcasts that you can download. Uh, you can subscribe to the channel, and uh, we remind you to head to any Heritage Distilling location to pick up some of that great Sea Bear BSB smoked salmon, which sold out last week. We had the launch party. It was phenomenal. Nice. Um, and also, if you're going to the Mariners game, check out the new BSB Cot Looking Lounge down in the pen. Love it. We'll see you here next week on Cast Club Radio. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Cask Club Radio, brought to you by Heritage Distilling. Check us out on MyNorthwest.com to learn more and catch up on past episodes. Cask Club Radio, brought to you by Heritage Distilling.